becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing over the songs, the glimmer of the ship being seen, thinking saw it, Hey guys, welcome back to, to the, the truth. truth. I like that. I do like that. Yeah. Um, in an episode which is based on lying. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> to the truth. Are we going to play that game, Two Truths and a Lie? We could. I'll be uh, way too hard with the three of us. Yeah, I know y'all pretty well. Or do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd have to do like. Well, if you can think of one. Deep Give history facts. You got you got one for us, babe. Two truths and a lie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've told you everything. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. Okay, but y'all can't watch my face in case. <laughs> well, we're gonna use okay. we're gonna use lie to me techniques. Oh, did you see that look of disgust on her face? That was. Uh, oh, the <laughs> hardest one is like, what would you? Okay, what does Michael? <laughs> um, let's see. My first job, my first job, paid money job, was working for a tanning salon in which there was a lot of nasty work to be done. Tanning salons are gross. <laughs> so that's too much information. <laughs> Um, when I was a child, I would go fishing with my dad and once he had me hold the boat while he unloaded the thing, the thing, the thing, you know, the, the thing, the I carries, don't know the that thing that carries boats, the, <laughs> the thing that carries boats, trailer, trailer, trailers. Bingo. Um, so now I already know your third one's alive because you're going to way too much detail with these first two. We'll see how well she lies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but while he was uh, pulling the trailer out of the water, the boat drifted off and I got pulled into the water before I could swim. I was oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, that sounds true. Um, also, I once <laughs> went on a nature hike with some of my best friends and she put air square scare quotes around nature (laughs) hike for those who can't see. Um, what kind of nature? And we did like blood oaths with each other on our nature hike. And we became like earth sisters. What kind of blood oath? Like you pricked your fingers? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like they do in the movies. What did you just made a cutting <laughs> no, your wrist that, <laughs> motion? <laughs> like it was anyway. We just we did blood oaths to become like Earth sisters together. <clears throat> what did you use to prick no, the finger? I don't think this is how the game goes. I think she just tells him. Then you I've watched Jimmy Fallon. This is oh, how they do it. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> He's the authority on. I'm gonna. Two so so we've got first job was at a tanning salon where she had to deal with nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. Second. Her dad boat boat and a thing. And it went off and she was in a boat and she couldn't swim swim. Third nature hike, blood oath. The third one to me sounds totally possible possible, but also maybe just a fantasy that she wished would have happened. <laughs> it was a safety pin, okay. To answer your question. Okay. It wasn't Which like drama. It wasn't like drama blood. Well, I thought the second one, I thought something else happened, but I would probably go with the third one also. But the second one, I thought it was something. I thought something different happened. So, do you not know what her first job was? Uh, I just remember the tanning salon, and also she worked at Zach's, which has like I remember her telling me about nasty crawfish. So, it could have been all right. So we're going number three. You're going number three. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Number three was the lie. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, did, I got pulled in. It was really scary. So I thought your dad hit his head or something like that. And oh, something. that also happened. Okay. So that's that was a separate incident. Uh-huh. I personally got pulled in yeah. to the lake okay. by a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so your dad was in the car. And how old were you? Five. 
and he had his five-year-old managing <laughs> the boat separating from the trailer. This is Texas. When you're five, like you gotta, you gotta <laughs> handle a shotgun. <laughs> I did. I shot a, I shot a gun for the first time when I was five. Um, wow. Well, I mean, it, like I get it. It seemed like a simple thing. Like boats don't weigh anything. It's not like I was tugging a barge. <laughs> it was just a little boat, but it drifted and and I went. Man. Mm-hmm. I have not fully healed from that trauma. Still repressed. See, I don't know if I can actually even play this game, so... Yeah, it sounded terrifying. You can't play the game because you the don't remember experience. anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on from the, yeah. from the... I'm just too truthful, that's all. The games and, <laughs> and get into the weeds. <laughs> Ooh, let's do it. Weeds. Uh, so last time we ended, we had started to kind of broach the subject of... Uh, lying by hiding. Mm-hmm. Did we broach the subject or breach the subject? Which one? Which is, what's the proper word? We were about to flush it out. Flush it out. Yeah, not flush it out. See, but I feel like you're you're deflecting from the question. <laughs> I'm hiding behind the flush, <laughs> so I can flush. <clears throat> I don't know the answer to that. I don't either. Well, let's just we'll just jump into. Well, maybe we start with like that thing, the not lying and telling the truth. The difference. Yeah, I, I loved think. that you d- made that distinguish. For the second time today, I've said the word distinguishment. That's mm. not a word. Um, <laughs> I love the distinction that you made between telling the truth and not lying as two different things. Mm-hmm. I think that's very profound. What? What? How did that process? Uh, did you process that over the last week? Because I feel like when I said that last week, your immediate response was to kind of push back on that. Was it? What did I do? What did I say? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly, but I, the way that I felt was like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that yeah. now. Um, who knows where I was last week. But it feels very possible to simply not say the truth you just avoid it yeah say nothing yeah and in that way you are not speaking out something false but you are also not declaring what is true right when i think the alternative might be in a position where you're having to go through the the sort of calculus of how do I tread this scenario? Because if I say all of the truth, that could be bad. So maybe it's not appropriate for me to answer all of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, Was well, that different from like something that's pertinent for right now? So it's like, um, like, Sometimes when Allison asks me something or somebody else asks me something, like, what do you think about this? And it's like, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but like, what is most pertinent right. to the situation? So it's like, um, <laughs> well, it's like with anything that goes on in your head, everything mm-hmm. has to go through some sort of filtering process from yeah. out inside to outside. Mm-hmm. And so in, in, when you're deciding what is the truth, first of all, so if you're asked for the truth, let's say, it might be helpful to come up with an example to frame this conversation around, but I don't have one off the top of my head. But yeah. if <clears throat> if you are asked for the truth and you first have to decide what, what is the truth, yeah. and then once you've decided what the truth is, you then have to decide which what, what parts of that are relevant to what I'm being asked mm-hmm. and what parts of that are good to share. And it's certainly possible that there are parts that are not good to share. And maybe that whole calculus is so complicated that you can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And at least not on the spot. And mm-hmm. it's clear that you're stalling. And so you, maybe you deflect, maybe you at that point decide it's much easier to tell a convenient lie that makes perfect sense. That diffuses, diffuses the tension here. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those deflecting and, and sort of conveniently diffusing are examples that I can think of, of, of lying by hiding. Like I'm, I'm hiding from the truth here because I don't know how to tell it in a way which is good. And so I'm choosing a lie instead. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. But I also think that there's something to hiding by lying, which is something you had brought up was this idea of hiding by lying. Mm -hmm. There's something else to that as well. Yeah. Um, Well, to go back to Peterson's chapter on tell the truth, or at least don't lie, um, I think the part that impacted me the most was where he's describing um, avoidance. Mm -hmm. Avoidance as a type of lying. And I am, like, sickly guilty of that. And I hate conflict. I, I, I hate conflict. And so within myself and within relationships, within the world, and so I avoid it, um, fervently, passionately avoid conflict. He would, in his chapter he describes that as willful blindness and I still like I'm just now beginning to realize the extent to which I do that Hmm. like a micro example would be when I'm driving driving through town stop at a light there's people asking for money I Occasionally, I can force myself to make eye contact. Right, but, but you'd ra- but you, it's easier to avoid, mm-hmm. fix your gaze straight forward, and not deal with the fact that that's the going on, not deal with the conflict of being asked something and saying no. Yeah, being needed for something, um, which ties into you know the the issue of homelessness in Austin in general. Yeah. I get to avoid. Um, a sense of heartbreak for this person. You know, I'm really empathetic. So if I, if I see you, if I truly see you, my heart's going to break a little bit. I don't want to feel that right now because I'm on my way to da da da. And, um, and so there is an avoidance of painful things, um, seeing them, feeling them. And doesn't avoiding something, create its own kind of conflict though sure oh yeah um a worse one i think but with that example i saw i saw an alternative in this interaction with a buddy of mine um he and i were talking on on the drag you know some homeless couple came up and they start in she starts in with her story and you know they're very bedraggled and uh i immediately do my thing i'm like oh here comes hurting people asking for money and i i mean i physically like shrink down and kind of my body language like shifts away and i'm looking away but my friend just turns full toward them looks her in the eye Mm -hmm. hears her story and said wow i'm sorry i can't help you Hmm. With so much compassion hmm. and presence, yeah, and and truth, he he was not going to help her, and he was genuinely sorry for her situation, yeah. And he offered her both of those things, and she was disappointed and left. The homeless person mm-hmm. was disappointed. Yeah, I think that that's a great example of times when I I find myself lying. Mm-hmm. I, so I don't know exactly how to feel about the, the problem of homelessness. When I, I grew up in a uh, very small town, sort of um, west of San Antonio, never encountered homelessness. And then I went to college in Nashville, and there was a lot of homelessness. And at first, even though I was a very broke college kid, if I was asked for money, I would always give what I had or what I could. And then... I started noticing how often I got taken advantage of. And I had a couple of situations in which like I would many really where I would give somebody like the change I had in my pocket. And one time a woman took the money, literally went through and tossed on the street, the pennies and nickels and kept the other change. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, that's all worthless. I just need the, the bigger coins. 
And I was like, man, like I could use that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another time I was leaving a restaurant and I had leftovers. Somebody asked for money. I said, no, but I've got some food. If you want some food, here it is. They took it, opened it, looked at it, said, I don't want to eat that. And threw it on the floor on the street. And I was just like, that was my food. I was going <laughs> to eat it, but I was giving it to you. And I became very jaded with it. And I just mm-hmm. sort of decided, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, right. like, just full stop. If somebody asked me for something, I'm just saying no. But now I find myself <clears throat> in Austin, you know, it happens quite a lot. You know, somebody will say, <clears throat> hey, can you spare a couple bucks? And the easiest thing to say is, sorry, I don't have anything on me. You know, mm-hmm. that's true right. sometimes, but it's not always true. Right. And then I, I catch myself in a lie sometimes because the, the response becomes automatic. And then mm-hmm. I say that and I think, well, actually, I did have a couple dollars in my pocket. You know, so I think, well, maybe I say I can't help you. But that's a lie, too. Mm-hmm. I mean... Maybe sometimes it's true. Most of the time it's not true. Right. So what is, I, I do struggle with this. Like, what is the re- proper response? And sometimes I say, not today. Um, I'm right. sorry, no. And I think that those are much better responses, although they are much harder to give. Right. Because, it, because I have to confront the truth about myself, which is, I don't want to help you. And what does that make me, if I'm honest about that to myself? And it also has to confront that person with the fact that there is another person unwilling to help you. What does that mean? What does that say about them? Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that while that is the most, the more difficult position to be in, and it may not be the best position to be in always, but at least telling the truth allows you to confront what's really going on. And then you can say, oh, I don't like what's really going on. Maybe there's something I need to change about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I'm lying, if I say the convenient lie, the lie that works every time, sorry, I don't have anything on me, you know, and just keep walking. I never have to confront what's really going on. And so I'm <clears throat> hiding from the truth. Well, it's the same thing. If you give them money every single time, you're also hiding from what's going on. Right. So it's, it's a really complex thing. And it's like when we make it something that's very unidimensional, it's like unidimensional. Yeah, anyways, uh, it, it, it becomes simple and it becomes a response and it, and it could be like, I'm doing good or I feel good, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but, um, I know that's something that's, it's a complicated thing as, as I've, I've kind of worked through that over the years. Like I used to go every Sunday to, um, this, uh, homeless shelter for a church service and stuff like that and would help out. And just seeing all the different types of characters that came through there, you know, it's like, uh, it just there's just a lot of different reasons why people are homeless, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be mental stuff or chosen or hard down on, on hard times, people who are in and out of being homelessness and uh and then kind of like that kind of stuff. And then when we opened our store on Guadalupe I also had to deal with that stuff a lot more and just seeing that there was different groups of people too. You know, it's like you had your dread drug addicts, you know, it's like you had your um like regular homeless, you had your drag rats and you had all these different things. And it's like, I, so I found that the like the, the more I gave to people, it's like, it's like there was a sort of expectation because I was around them a lot, you know? So it's like, so I had to kind of like also see that to say no is also be, so that I could have a relationship with them that wasn't based on money. It would mm-hmm. help them out occasionally. <clears throat> right. Um, and I felt like those relationships that I had that were more in that way were a lot more longer lasting. Um, um, but again, it's like, you know, I, I don't have any, cause like all those things about like, you know, whether you lie, whenever someone asks you for money and that kind of stuff, it's, it's like, I think it's good that we feel that tension. You know, I think if we don't feel the tension there, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's something wrong. Or if you just always have like a, a response, like, yes, every time, like that's not right either. You know? It's also not, yeah, to your point, it's also not seeing reality. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. It's sort of like, that's kind of alleviating your, um, engagement with that tension. It seems you know? like it's more about you than it is about them or the situation. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes make sure about, I feel clean at the end of each one of these interactions. Totally. And that's your priority. Like there's also this weird feeling. Like sometimes I just felt like I had to give them money 
no, it wasn't a matter of whether, like I knew this person was just going to go, you know, buy drugs or, or get a beer or whatever it might be, but it wasn't for them. It was actually for me because I needed to like reorient myself Hmm. because I would get into that space of like, no, 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 no. And kind of get a callousness there. You know, it's like, um, so it's, it's, it's just a really complicated thing. And that's why I get frustrated when people try and make it very, you know, uh, a simple answer. Yeah. I, the thing I come back down to is like, we just, we always need to feel that tension and that burden of what do I do right now? You know? Hmm. Right. And that takes, that takes a, a sense of presence to yourself mm-hmm. to be, to make that distinction per situation without a rule. Yeah. Without relying on, nope, I'm never going to give money or, okay, I'm always going to give money to whoever asks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that presence yeah. requires that you know yourself well enough mm-hmm. and you're not too used to lying to yourself mm-hmm. to where when you in the moment ask yourself the question, what is the right response for now? Mm-hmm. You don't have the lies that, that you have to wade through to get to the truth. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's the truth. And you got to process that. And that's not, you, you can't function that way. So it, I think that you have to continually practice that presence in mm-hmm. order for that to be successful. Yeah. I, as, we're, as we're talking about this, I, I feel like uh, if I did like, a, a, like an internal sort of uh, check on myself in this area, like I would say I'm definitely right now too far on the stingy side. Mm-hmm. Like I would say that like if, if I were to like, so it's like, so there's some things I, I see like, again, you can, so in that sense, you kind of start leading into the lie. But I feel yeah. like if you, if you allow that to go too far, that lie becomes something that's a part of you, you mm-hmm. know, and, and justified or whatever <clears throat> it might be. I don't know. That, that just, when y'all were talking about it, I was like, where am I right now with that? You know, it's like, right. and I'm like, uh, I'm probably a little bit more on the, the stingy side on that area. I think about that a lot with my kids. Like it's a similar situ- situation, you know, mm. it happens often in the grocery store. Hmm. Like <laughs> you get, you go shopping with kids and yeah. can we get uh-huh. insert 150 different things, you know, that are going to happen. They're going to get asked for as you're going down the aisles and you do less grocery shopping and more sort of like cart management, trying to pull things out that they put in and (laughs) tell them yes or no to the things that they want. And so I definitely will get very aggressive about just like, no, yes. If it's not on this list, Uh we had a conversation before we left for the store. You had opportunity to put input on the list. If it's not on this list, we are not getting it conversation closed, you know, but they still ask. Yeah. And then I, I, there have been times when I've gotten into this mode of like, we're at the grocery store. Like this should be a fine experience. The second I hear a voice from one of my children, no, like, you know, just no. Hey, no, I was just going to tell you, I no, loved you. (laughs) Michael, do you know anything about that? I don't, I don't know. But uh, with this area is like, I, I, I always say no dessert. Like, just mm-hmm. like, can we have to no dessert, you know, also yeah. snacks and snacks. Okay. This part, I haven't changed very much, but the dessert part, I've found myself trying to say yes more often, which is not like a whole lot, but like for me, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And they're always like, so surprised because <laughs> they always ask Alice if they can have yeah. <laughs> dessert. Well, because I'm more willing to do the emotional work of figure out mm-hmm. is this, is this an appropriate time right, right. for dessert to happen? Mm-hmm. And how do I, how do you feel about it? And how will it affect you? And, and what's, how's are you going to be able to handle it? Yeah. And it takes a lot of work. You know, whereas you grow up, dessert was like a given. Mm-hmm. It was like dessert happens every day. That's just the ritual. And there's nothing bad about that. Yeah. But it's not our ritual. Totally. Um, and you still take your kids to the grocery store? <laughs> How really? twenty eighteen of you? <laughs> um, they they rarely come with me anymore. Right, like they don't want to. Mm-hmm. No, so but they'll still come every once in a while. Yeah, that's a and it's still the same every time. Rookie mistake. <laughs> Rookie mistake. 
Um, Especially when they're at the age you don't have to. There definitely are some times well, when I'll ask them if they want to come and they say, yeah, I'll come. And I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> you didn't, you, you weren't telling the truth. You didn't mean that. Mm. You didn't mean that invitation. We just got called no, out. No, I did, though. <laughs> I did mean the invitation. Then why the disappointment when the answer was yes? Well, it's not disappointment. It's There was something revealed in that, the response, I think, that they were coming where I was just like, oh, actually, I think I was kind of looking forward to some, like, putting my headphones in and trying to listen to this podcast that I started earlier or whatever. Now I can't do that. Um, so you weren't telling the truth when you made the invitation. I think he said he, does, he didn't know the truth. He didn't know. Right. Yeah. And I, I think right. That, I, don't, mm-hmm. I didn't know it until I found it. Until you lost the opportunity. Or yeah. The choice. But I think it's a, that's a fair analysis. I mean, I think I often ask them to come out of being cordial <clears throat> mm-hmm. or out of some idealistic version of the way that I think things should go. Like, I go to the grocery store, I invite my kids. That's how I operate, you know? And then that happens and you have a feeling that surprises you. Mm-hmm. That you didn't exactly know what was there. And maybe you could have known it was there had you thought more about the invitation in the first place. Well, I feel like we're, 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 we're tiptoeing into something else. Like, I don't feel like this is necessarily <clears throat> lying. Yeah, I think I this is something else. It's it's Because there's also a part that, like, it's not that like you want your kids to come with you, but at the same time you also had these other ideas too. So there's a kind of a confliction yeah. that you had, you know? Well, can we yeah. shift gears completely? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to talk about the dinner party? Sure. Because I think that's what brought us to this lying by hiding idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it's a story worth talking about. Yeah. I feel like, where do I start with that story? Um, this we don't, I don't think we need to get too specific, but I think right. it was a scenario that many, many people find themselves in. And, and the scenario was there were plans and someone else who someone else um, wanted to come last minute. Right. Um, okay. Well, let me, let me, so, I planned a dinner party. I had a COVID friendly, COVID friendly dinner party. Uh, that's not true. It was not COVID friendly. It was just a dinner <laughs> we party. Well, it's just a regular we're dinner not, party. No, we're not virtue signaling shit. It was just a dinner party. But I'm a responsible, good person. So. Um, and so there's an initial group of people that I message about that. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of a really hard week had a really tremendous counseling session, which I will also need to talk about because that's also part of the reason I'm here. Um, Had a really rough week, midweek. I'm like, hey, I kind of, you know, be fun just to have this, our small little intimate group. And then as soon as I texted that, another thought triggers. I'm like, oh, but what about Matt and his, his, who he might want? And then what about this other person and whoever he might want? And what kind of experience? And like my, my mind launches into how is everyone else going to feel? And that the fear of disappointing other people led me to text the next kind of like tag, tag on to the invitation, but I'm open to other people coming. Yeah. You had said, I really want this group, like just us, but I'm open to other people. Coming. But I'm open to other people. Yeah. And then come the dinner party Friday night, come late Friday afternoon, somebody else wants to join last minute. Mm-hmm. And I had this like crisis moment because by Friday I was completely worn out and felt like I had no capacity for other people. Yeah. Um, and so when you texted me, I, I mean, it felt like torture because I saw um, first and foremost, I saw my what my heart needed was a really intimate, safe time with people that I know and trust and have built a level of, of safety and rapport with. 
and that I did not have capacity for anything else. And it felt very, um, it felt very true that my heart needed that. Um, but now, because I had already said other people, and y'all believe me, because I try and see the truth most <laughs> mm-hmm. of the time. And so, in, in, in that struggle, though, of like needing, being scared of disappointing you and hurting you, and what does it mean if I say no to this other person coming, and how will that affect the future of our friendship? And, but then how will it affect my night if I say yes? If I, if I kind of betray what I know is true. Yeah. Um, but it felt much easier to want to be like, oh, hey, I didn't get enough food. Yeah. Oh, hey, um, sorry, like table's full kind of a thing, yeah. which like, might have been believable, but also bullshit. Of, right. Some sort of logistical problem. Right. And so, um, so I mean, it, it, but it took me, I mean, it took me almost an hour to figure out how to respond to you. Yeah. And Two and a half. In the end, <laughs> and I'm texting, thank, thank goodness for Michael with his you know, ability to not be emotional. And you were so supportive, though, like really. Um, but for me in that moment, it was seeing how... Uh, it, was, it was a micro example of how I have lived my life um, hiding from myself, hiding from my true desires in order to accommodate other people, to make other people feel welcome and happy and loved and seen and understood so that I felt safe. For me, it's about safety, and that's what I don't know if it was the podcast I sent, but um, or it was in the talk last night. But mm-hmm. um, there's safety for me in saying I don't care whatever you want, yeah, because that means my connection with you is not disrupted, um, or at least that's how I perceived it. <laughs> you know, it's like if if I make all if I accommodate your preference. And, ha- and genuinely have no preference, then, then I'm like making this this relationship really secure and stable. Um, so I saw with that example how, wow, I'm I'm terrified to say what I really want to some of my best friends, mm-hmm. and what does that mean? And when I I felt. I mean, my, my initial reaction, you know, so I, I text you and say, how do you feel about someone else coming? I don't get a response for two and a half hours. And I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> at this point I was like, okay, I know how you feel, <laughs> which is, you know, which is fine. And you responded to me and told me the truth. And it wasn't a decision. It wasn't a, no, this can't happen. It was, honestly, I'm really struggling with that. And you didn't tell me a lie. You didn't say it was about lack of food or chairs or, you know, parking space or any of the bullshit things that could have, you know, whatever. You just said, here's how I feel. Because that's what I asked you. I said, how do you feel about this? And Mm -hmm. you said how you felt. Mm -hmm. And And that was another thing that took courage, too, was to put the ball back in my court and say, this is how I feel. And now I'm in a position to respond to that. And my initial reaction was like, man, I'm so thankful that you're, that you didn't come up with a lie, Mm -hmm. that you told me the truth. And now I'm in a difficult position of, well, what do I do with this truth? Mm -hmm. How do I feel about this? Mm -hmm. How do I feel about you feeling that way? What does that mean about me? What does that mean about this other relationship? And now I'm in a situation where I have to make a decision about what to do. Mm Because I, I think one of the things that the truth does when you say the truth is it, 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 it sort of demands that it, it be honored. Hmm. Hmm. Because I think that I could have said, I could have probably, at that point I was like, oh, I guess I'll just say there was not enough food or not enough seats at the table. But then I was like, 
Well, I can't say that because Allison clearly made the choice not to say that. She could have told me that bullshit, but it was important enough for her to tell me truthfully what she thought. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be important enough to me to tell tr the truth <clears throat> on my part of the decision here. Which leads me in a hard place because it makes me have to look at the truth. Right. And, you know, honestly, it was really, it was hard. It will probably continue to be hard, but I'm so thankful for it. Because hmm. it's like we were saying earlier, we found something and it doesn't feel good, but at least we know what's really going on. And then we can properly respond to it and say, why doesn't this feel good? How can we make this feel better? Because... You know, back to earlier talking about avoidance. Mm -hmm. Avoidance creates a worse kind of conflict. Mm -hmm. And all of this could have been avoided, but we all would have carried some sort of conflict that we don't know what it, that we don't, we don't know about because we successfully moved through this truthfully. Right. And like, I don't know, rejoice in that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so, that's why it's so good for me to be friends with you. Because, I mean, I, the potential of creating conflict in other people with other people <laughs> is, is terrifying. Mm. It's terrifying to me. But Matt's probably one of the few people you could actually do that with. And it that's would be. exactly, that's the only reason why I did. <laughs> hey, Matt, I'm really pissed off at you. You really suck right now. It's like, huh, okay. Well, Thanks for telling me the truth, right? <laughs> well, so in a way, it seems like truth begets truth because uh, yeah. that's... That's exactly why I was like, this feels like a tremendous risk to me, but if I'm going to cause conflict and perhaps upset, I think, I think I can fix it with Matt. Hmm. And I don't, I don't have a confidence. I don't have relational confidence in that with many people. I don't have an experience of relational reconciliation um, partly because I've never risked having conflict hmm. by telling the truth hmm. it's hard to reconcile a relationship that's not based on truth right right <clears throat> it's hard for me because like I, I go I go it's like very situational, you know, it's like, like this situation, I see like the benefit of that, you know, it's like, but then at the same time, it's like, I see, I see times where, you know, but again, maybe that is telling the truth. It's like, it's like, Hey, no, even though I don't want more people here, like, that's why I don't want more people here, but it's good for me to lay down that part and to actually have more people here. Yeah. You know, so it's, a, so it's, I think it can be kind of tricky, but I think that's the part is, you know, getting below the surface of, you know, what is, what is good and what is true right now. You know, it's like, no, I'm actually avoiding having more people rather than no, I actually just need less people, you know? So I, I find that, I find that, um, like, so it's not like a, a formula, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want, I don't want more people here or something like that, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's not a formula. This wasn't the only or best way that it could have happened. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine very easily having <clears throat> asked the same question and you having some similar feeling, but not being at capacity in your life and not yeah. being at the end of a hard week. And that wasn't the priority for you. Totally. You mm -hmm. could still have the same feeling, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it could not have been the thing that was bubbling over. Mm -hmm. Right. You could have had something else positive bubbling over at the same time. Right. And you could have read the text and thought, well, I have this thing that I'm feeling, but I also have this other thing and like, mm -hmm. and a different outcome. Mm -hmm. But I think all of that requires the telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And right. part of telling the truth is like what, like we said uh, earlier is first knowing what the truth is. And that's difficult right. enough. Well, and I think that's probably the main gift that, 2020 has given me is that I to a large extent have lost my ability to bullshit myself hmm. and um, that has 
been really, I mean, it happened in a pretty like dramatic way for me. Um, coming to realize that I have lived most of my life disconnected from my own self, from my own, um, however you want to name it, like my own inner knower, my own spirit, my own, um, desires, inner wisdom, my own desires. I've largely lived disconnected from that as a way of staying safe because I find safety or I have found safety, um, through relationships with significant others with, um, by forming deep, deep attachments with Hmm. people. And, um, so, I mean, I think this is like from childhood and it's not, I'm not blaming my parents. It does. It's not a, there's no blame in that. I just feel like it's the way that I learned to get my needs met and feel safe is by forming an attachment with people and then making sure that I accommodate and um, defer in the relationship. To protect the attachment. To protect the attachment. And that feels safe. And they feel loved. And I know that I'm making them feel loved. And if they love, if they're feeling loved, that means they'll take care of me. So I'm good. Um, and I mean, this is all subconscious, right? And it's only till this year that it's become like blindingly like brain, like crushingly conscious of the fact that that is the way that I have felt secure in life. That's the way I've been doing relationships. Hmm. Meanwhile, my whole life, there's, I don't, we don't actually disconnect from our essence. We can't actually not want anything or desire anything. Um, I just have not known until this year how thoroughly um, disguised I have been hmm. to myself. Um, so that now when there's a dinner party and I feel raw and I'm like, I can't cope. I have three people I can deal with that I want to deal with tonight that will be life giving to me. And that's it. And I can't, I can't get past it. Yeah. And all the, the normal avenues of fixing that, that I would go through are just unavailable. So now I have to tell the truth and that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You you used a term uh, inner knower. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think Michael, you're, you're right. I don't think that you can't, or Allison, maybe you said it, you, you can't disconnect from your essence. Hmm. Your inner knower doesn't ever stop knowing. No. Which sounds like a Dr. Seuss line, but <laughs> in order to silence that, you have to dissociate from it. Mm-hmm. And that puts you in some real inner conflict. Yeah. I, disassociating from myself is my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> and it's come out in all of my art, hmm. the art journaling that I've been doing this year. Talk about truth telling. Like, if you want to know the truth about me, I might show you my art journals. Like, the truth about... She's going to start her own art journal uh, (laughs) Zoom, so if you guys want to get on that. I mean... (laughs) Are you really? What? Going to start an art Zoom? I'm thinking about it. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty badass. I like it. Um, Like, that... The truth about me is in there. And it has been the primary way that I have begun in earnest to really understand and connect with my inner knower, uh, with my spirit, with who I am, uh, my identity. And it feels really embarrassing, honestly, to be getting to this now at age 40. But also, I'm so grateful. I wonder if you, if you, if you really can't do that till later in life. I mean, there's a certain idea of even like, you know, midlife crisis and sort of like developing yourself and who you are, you know, that in your twenties and thirties, it's kind of like yourself is starting to develop to a point where it's, right. it's a lot more. 
Right. It's more in your face. It's like you can't, it's not as confusing. It's, it's a little bit more developed. And so you right. have to come to terms with it. Well, and, and I want to say too, like all of the love that I express in relationships mm-hmm. is genuine. Totally. Like that is not false. Like I, I actually don't know how to like fake liking people. <laughs> totally. I tried it. I tried it once. Uh, I tried, I tried like fake, I tried flirting with a bartender just to see if I could get a free drink. <laughs> Did it work? No. Damn. I mean, he, he responded, but not with free drinks. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, dude, this weird. is gross. Dude, I'm not interested in you. I'm interested in what you can give I mean, me. You know, it was just, it was, it was a really fun, this year, whatever, this year. I'm doing lots of things. I'm trying all kinds of things. But what, anyway. What did you call it? What? Uh, you call it something uh, wild or you're getting... Feral. Feral. <laughs> feral. <laughs> I am getting feral. That's There's hilarious. feral. Part of me is feral. <laughs> well, and that's, that's what's so exciting about the fact. I mean, in some ways it's humiliating and sad, and there's a lot of grief for me, actually, to realize that... Um, to let my true self, to, let, to connect with my desires, my dreams... Um, to really connect with that and bring it forward threatens my safety. Hmm. It's like, oh, if, but if I bring up something that I want that is important, that is big or wild, if I bring that to the relationship, then I'm going to take away space that I've given to the people that I care about. And so that's going to threaten the relationship. So that's going to destabilize something so i just need to so i think the superpower of disassociate disassociating um was a safety mechanism because if i have no actual desire and you ask me like hey what do you want to do and i'm like don't care and i mean that then our relationship just flows we just go you know with it's yeah, easy but if to you, flow <clears throat> but if you say what you want then suddenly or or you, or you tell the truth about what your inner knower knows. You run the risk of maybe what you want. Somebody says no. Maybe you say what you want out loud, and it sounds really stupid. <laughs> you know, yeah. what if you say what you want, and it ends up being wrong and hurting you or someone else? Right. Like expressing what you have inside is a dangerous endeavor. endeavor by design right? because you're manifesting something which was only potential into something else, which is now potentially real when it's only potential. It's like a known quantity and you can keep that. It doesn't change over time. Right. But once you put it out into the world, now it's going to live or die. Right. It reminds well, me of the shores of ignorance too. It's like, you know, if you stay within your knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. where you are, you kind of are safe because you're surrounded by all the things that you know already but there's this part about going out onto the shores where you're encountering the chaos and you're not going to get it right. You're going to be struggling. You know, it's yeah. like things are going to work and some things aren't going to work. And you realize like, Oh, I feel this way. And then you act on it. And you're like, Oh, actually I didn't really feel that way. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, so even the things that you would think are, you're speaking true. Whenever you speak them, you might be like, Oh, actually that is not true. You yeah, know, it's, right. it's more complex or it's not true altogether. You know, it's like, there's a certain place of, of tension in that space, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and for me with that risk that you're just describing for me, that's risking abandonment. And that's my greatest fear. But the irony of that is that in the process of being unwilling to risk abandonment by people that I love, I have abandoned myself. Hmm. When you've like pre-abandoned. Yeah. Because the people that you are in a relationship with also don't have full access to you. Right. It's like you're not giving them the opportunity to abandon you. By not by not giving them the opportunity to know you. That's by cool. not what? So that's kind of cool. <laughs> I like that. Well, in what way? 
Well, it's like not giving the opportunity for somebody to abandon you. Like that's that's really fascinating. You know, it's like it's not good. Well, I, I I'm thinking of it in a good way, so it's like, but I can, yeah, yeah. I'm not following either. Me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, like that's not. But it's not real. That's the whole thing. I'm like. Well, I think it's more speaks to the person that that you're that you're engaging in life with, like. You know, if this person that you're engaging with, and again, in a truthful and honest way, um, I'm sorry, I won't go too far, too many different directions here, but which just says, as you're communicating to somebody in a truthful and honest way, and and they don't accept that, it's like, do you really want to be friends with them? Like, is that a is that a relationship you want to? Uh, to help to curate and continue with. So it's like, you're also giving them the opportunity to abandon you. But at the same time, that's also truth telling in that. Yeah. I'm, that's not, a really, I'm not willing to walk. I with think we are confused because we oh. were saying that by not being truthful, oh. you're also not giving them the opportunity to abandon you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> by not being truthful. Are you but, following? I'm, 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 yeah. Well, I'm by lost. being truthful, it's like you're giving the, a person the opportunity to abandon yes. you. And so that's actually a good thing because, you know, there's a lot. Of, you oh, know, I see. If you because if a, they're going to abandon you, do you want to be with them anyways? Exactly. It's like, yeah. are you trying to keep and curate a relationship that is based on, you know, this sort of abandonment if they do, you know, right. experience you in a, in a different way? Right. That attachment, though, feels can feel very worth protecting, even at the expense of a healthy relationship. Say more. Well, I mean, that makes what you just said makes a lot of sense, Michael. That, like, if I tell you the truth and you're going to abandon me over it, are you someone that I really want to be around anyway? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, but. I don't think that attachment in a relationship has, it's like a force of its own. It doesn't necessarily get built through truth telling and it doesn't get destroyed through truth telling either. Mm-hmm. And it can be powerful enough where it overrides that previous truth, which is that if you, if I tell you the truth and that makes you want to leave me, then you're not really a person that I want to be around. But that attachment can say, Oh yes, you do. Just right. don't tell the truth because mm-hmm. I feel this attachment feels better than safer letting go. It feels safer. Well, yeah. th- it definitely seems like there's a certain. And that's like with parents. Hmm. How's that? Our attachment to our parental figures is mm-hmm. biological. It's spiritual. It's psychological. It's mm-hmm. it's yeah, in us. It, it runs deeper than almost anything. Yeah. It's it's a powerful orienting force that in a perfect world I could speak any and every truth and my parent would not abandon me. Yeah. I think it's, I have a hard time because there's a lot of things that we, we talked about this earlier today, like, like speaking your truth, you know, that phrase <clears throat> triggers you. That tr- it, it, we need to have a whole podcast on Michael's triggers. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. <laughs> well, because it's like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go all the way into that because I, I find that I find that when I think of like speaking your truth, it's not that what you're saying is necessarily true, but you're putting it out into the world and that it becomes something that is sharpened by other, by the reaction to the world. So it's like, like, here's how, here's what I see. Here's how I perceive. Here's how I feel. And I'm putting that out there. And then as it, it, it sort of is revealing to those around you as well as to yourself. And then it, and then it changes you as well as those around you. So it's not that necessarily like your truth or your, that it's not, it's something that is in process. And so it's something that you're putting out there, but you might find that when you put it out there, 
it's actually growing into something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause I, I get this sometimes this feeling of like, like, Oh, well that's your truth. Oh, that's your truth. And like each one of those is valid. It's like, I don't, I don't, it, it, there's a, there's something that that's kind of like, that's how you were experiencing this right now. But as you put that out into the world, how does that, how do you interact with that? You know? See, I feel like I might be going somewhere else. No, no, I think that was right. And uh-huh. I think truth as a process is something worth talking about, hmm. but I, I feel like your truth and my truth, these sort of things are always invoked as a justification for abandonment and wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the dinner party example, you know, you said, here's how I feel. Here's the truth about how I feel. And I could have said, well, that's your truth, but I'm not there. I'm not feeling that way. And neither is this other person. And honestly, that's really offensive to us. Ooh, that's a good example. So like my truth is that I feel really offended. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that that's your truth. So wow. what I'm doing now, and all of a sudden it's like, you feel the emotional power of this yeah, even totally. as I'm saying it, I do. but it's like, really what I'm doing is I'm being a piece of shit. <laughs> Honestly. Well, that's harsh. That's what, harsh. Well, no, I don't no, think it let's is. Let's back up. Let's back up. Because I mean, because that's really how, like, I mean, obviously not in this situation, but let's say that's, that's how you really did genuinely feel. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I feel offended by this. Like you're not wanting my, you know, whatever. You know, right. It's like, Okay, not wanting. That's like to which dancing. I would have said, had that been your genuine response, I would have said, "I get that. I told you on Wednesday I was open to more people coming, mm-hmm. and now I'm saying that's not true." So the the miss the maladjustment the, the crisscross of expectation is my fault. Because I said something I didn't mean, and therefore, that's the consequence of my lie. But you also didn't know you didn't mean it until after you said it. I think if I had spent, if I'd really put it to myself to like push into why, why am I about to send this next text? If I had really paused, you probably felt some hesitation. Right. It's like because it was the first text. Mm-hmm. And then a pause, and then the, and then the reaction that oh shit, what are they gonna think? And blah, I don't know, no, 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 them, 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 all their feelings, and then the add-on. You know, it's like if I had been able to pause and sit with myself, and had the courage to be like, hey y'all, I really just want this small group. See, but I don't think even if I don't think I would have. Okay, here's the problem: <laughs> I wouldn't have responded to you in this your truth, my truth way. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have responded to me the way that you just described. Because this is a make-believe situation. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right? uh-huh. But I think that this saying your truth and my truth is always justification for taking offense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like as if your truth comes through the air and the ether into my world. And in my truth, I'm offended. I'm like, I, I, this is just justification for being offended. When really, if I would, if I don't frame it in this your truth, my truth thing, if I say, this is true, and how does that make me feel? And why is that the response that I'm feeling? Now I have to actually look at myself in relation to you. It's like the your truth, my truth is a way to cut our relationship and say, what you, it, it's, it's, it's like a severing. Relationally divisive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to say, no, this is what is true to Allison, for Allison. And so that's what is true within our relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's true to me too. Mm -hmm. And it makes me maybe feel unexpected things, things that don't seem to be in in alignment with that on first glance. But like, let's really look at this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, our relationship is going to sever if we can't come to the same truth. Well, I think there's also, I mean, I really want to preface this because I, I, I see how this, all this verbiage is kind of like, it, it gets a little bit out of control because like, um, because you and Allison have a relationship and you know, and have a history of how Allison communicates to you. And it's like, you know, that she wouldn't have said that to you if she wasn't in a place that she needed this. 
So there's a history there where, because I, again, I, I'm just kind of going and stretching this this example out to like kind of more uh, a, a bigger and fuller picture or uh, anyways, um, because it's like, because I can also see those those types of things being manipulated, but there's a relationship that you have and that you know when, when she was expressing that to you, that it had a certain connotation, a certain history to it, that you could take it in that way, you know? Right. Or someone else, like, like, I feel this way. You'd be like, uh, okay. I don't know if I can really go with you on that, you know? Or like, I am actually offended by this. I mean, that, that idea makes me, motivates me to want to build relationship mm. on truth. Yeah. And on being real, on bringing my, my actual self to relationship rather than what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I feel like we kind of got here last episode, which is that, okay, we kind of dealt with lying, but if lying isn't the, if not lying, isn't the same thing as telling the truth, then what does it mean to tell the truth? What does it mean to live a life based upon telling the truth? Right. Which I honestly want to like save for the next episode because I want to do a whole thing on it. Hmm. Like I think we could talk, we could go for you know an hour on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I almost don't want to push too far into that right now. Well, damn it! <laughs> I was like ready to go. Write <laughs> some thoughts down. Uh, um, right. Well, I mean, is there? Go ahead. I mean, I, I feel like. It's costly. It's it's um it's hard to acknowledge the truth of yourself to yourself. Oh, let's make that point. I, you you said something about that earlier too. Did I? Yeah. It's hard to acknowledge the truth of yourself to yourself. Cost of telling a lie, telling the truth when you don't lie. Cost of not telling. Oh, shoot. I forgot how you said that earlier when we were just chatting. You were taking notes? I was. There's my notes right there. <laughs> we always take notes. Well, Matt usually pre- takes notes. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby said I didn't take good enough notes. <laughs> you know, and, and Peterson talks about this in the chapter eight um, of... I lost where I was going to go with that. <laughs> I'm like, I think, okay. well, I think, we should, I'm we like should just carry this for the, for the next, yeah. next episode. Oh, well, we do have, Oh yeah. Well, there's, there's something we have been hiding. That's yeah. What have we been hiding? It's so hidden from me. I don't even talking know what it about is. Yeah. lies and truths. <laughs> hiding. hiding. We haven't thing. been, we haven't been hiding by lying. We have been mm. hiding. Hiding in love. In love. <laughs> so there's a bit of a birthday plan in place for you. We're going to do this on the podcast? Uh-huh. Damn it. <laughs> we are. Getting that reaction my real time. My birthday's not, not uh, until next year, so. It's like a month away. There's a birthday plan in place. Oh, it is. Oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you tell them what it is? Do, yeah. I have to, do I have to go? Or? Do you want to do <laughs> So Allison is sending... You and I Ooh. to West Texas wow. for a, what are we doing? Five day mm-hmm. retreat mm-hmm. to just do whatever you want to do. Just peyote and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go out and stay in Marathon, which is right at the um, north gate of Big Bend. Oh, wow. We've got a place to a house. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Big Bend and hike. Damn. We're going to. That sounds amazing. Sit, talk, drink, read. Just. Go out to the desert and yeah. So I've already checked with the staff. You have your days of work blocked off. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 
We wanted to do something that we thought you would like. Yeah, I'll be really nervous Michael, for a second. There. Michael <laughs> hates birthday parties. He will refuse to celebrate. I'm all sweating, man. <laughs> I know. Like, y'all are telling us, I'm like, oh shit, what the fuck? <laughs> if I know you guys know me enough to not like, yeah. Yeah. So we're in the house, and there's yeah. apparently this location has primal darkness. Ooh. Primal darkness. I know, right? Isn't that the wow. Best um. So. Yeah. Yeah. We get to have a Shores of Ignorance retreat Dude, for your birthday. That sounds awesome. Maybe we'll broadcast from. <laughs> we, maybe um, we will. There's there's no internet. Well, we can... I think there's cell phone service. We could record and put it out later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking it'll be right after the election. <laughs> Y'all are probably going to need to decompress. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you're doing for your birthday. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Both of you guys. Can't wait. Yeah. So fun. I'm like, Matt, let's do the thing. He's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Well, y'all did good. (laughs) That's going to be awesome. (laughs) Good. All right. So you got we got to end with Michael feeling uncomfortable on air. So there you go. (laughs) Um, Did we get to it? Did we get to the things? The things? All the things that needed to be said about hiding. Um. I feel like I didn't there was one thing that at the very end I, I wanted to, but I, I, I lost it. So okay, well, if it comes back, we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with that next time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. Thank you guys, and thank you, Allison, for joining us. You're going Thanks for, for uh, having me. This is like a what? Not a trinity. Uh, uh, it's a three part thing. Trilogy. Trilogy. <laughs> it will be. This is the you awesome gotta come trilogy. back next time. I feel, I feel okay. so special being here. I love it. It's, we love it too. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, it's great. All right. Thanks yes. for listening, everybody. Yeah. See you next week. See you guys. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> oh, man. You guys made me like fucking sweat. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, shit. <laughs> what are we doing? That was so great. But aren't you so relieved and happy now? The primal darkness thing sounds amazing. It has yeah. primal darkness. <laughs> it was part of the advertisement on Airbnb. Was it? Really? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like, it was really funny. When is yeah. it? Uh, the 11th through the 15th. Okay. Oh, badass. All right. Whew. <laughs> happy <laughs> <new>. Okay. <laughs> it's like, how to scare the shit out of Michael. <laughs> <laughs>